Welcome to Tech Uncorked. I'm Dean Gratton. And I'm Sarah Jane Gratton. And together we explore a new world of technology and innovation. With lively discussion and some great interviews. And today, we're joined by Professor Simon Pearson, the Director of the Lincoln Institute of Agri-Food Technology, Ali Kappa, the Chairman of the NFU Horticulture and Potatoes Board and a grower in her own right, Rural and Agri-Food Consultant Martin Collison, and Nigel Jenny, the Chief Executive of the UK's Fresh Produce Consortium. We'll be discussing the many challenges facing our food supply chain, the support desperately needed from government and how the industry itself is committed to finding solutions. I'm going to start with you, Simon. What are your thoughts on the current supply chain crisis? It is very, very concerning. I think the, 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 what strikes me is we've been predicting this for the last four to five years and, uh, and um, may, maybe there's been a danger of people saying that we've been crying wolf, but this is really it mm. and uh, it is extremely serious. And mm. uh, I'm very, very concerned about the future of the fresh produce sector. I'm very, very concerned about... Uh, fresh produce supply to the to the consumer so it's um it is everything as bad if not worse than i think everybody was predicting four or five years ago deeply yeah. troubling deeply concerning i don't think it's something that can be solved overnight as well that's what's worrying me i don't think there's a single panacea to this one i think we need uh, many many solutions to uh to help mitigate these impacts um Automation and robotics, uh, government investment in uh, R&D support, uh, cap- capital investment is going to be important. Grower investment in all these sorts of things is going to be important. Um, access to skills workers, very, very important. So there isn't one thing that's going to solve this problem, but it's, it's, it's big, if not bigger, than I think anybody predicted, and it's mm. deeply troubling. How has the problem happened? I mean, I mean of course you're uh, going to say Brexit, but is it, is it just really Brexit? No, I think it's a conflation of um, several things. Um, there's no doubt Brexit's a big driver. Uh, immigration acts a driver. Changes to um, taxation rules for logistics lorry drivers is another driver uh covid is another driver i think maybe maybe it was all set and maybe all these things were ready to go and covid's effectively just pulled the trigger Mm, the Uh, perfect perfect storm storm. yeah the perfect storm as they say yes martin what, what are your thoughts on all this another factor which i think does play into this is that we didn't have too much concern about the supply of labor um at least not to the degree that we have now, throughout most of COVID. And that Mm. was because we used furloughed staff, we used students that weren't on Mm. their courses. They have all gone back now. And everybody that I talk to, um, and not just within the UK, but on a global basis, is seeing the same demand really at the same time. And so the pressure is a global pressure. Mm. And so it isn't going to be easy just to move the production around the world as we would have done in the past, we've actually got to solve the problem. And to solve the problem, we've actually got to address some of the fundamental concerns. And to me, one of those is that we've taken more and more cost really out of the supply chain for the last 25 plus years. And we've got down now so that the margins um, are really wafer thin and the contingencies are wafer thin. I don't believe that we can do that as we go forward if we want a resilient supply chain. 
So we need to learn how to put some more resilience back into the supply chain. Part of that has to come down to prices that reflect the true costs. Food prices are going to have to go up. Is that what we're saying? I will be very surprised if we can escape what we're seeing at the moment without an increase in prices, Mm. because the pressures are not they're not unique to us. They are truly global. And so we can't just switch to buying food from other parts of the world. We've actually got to solve the efficiency questions. We've got to ensure that there's some margins so that the businesses can invest so that they can drive forward their productivity and they can address the supply constraints that we have at the moment. Ali, in terms of the horticulture industry, what do you see as happening there in terms of labour and and costs to the consumer? Well, I'd echo the comments actually from Simon and Martin. I think um, labour, supply and energy costs are the two biggest um, causes of anxiety in my sector at the moment. On the labour side, um, actually, whilst I agree with Martin that it's a global a global issue, um, we are we appear now to be the only country in the world not wanting to bring um, labour from other parts of the world mm. to help our economy thrive as we've done for decades. And the purpose of a democratically elected government is surely to put in place enabling policies that will allow business to thrive and we seem to have the opposite at the moment Mm -hmm. so the answer on labour actually is very simple Um, we need the seasonal workers scheme to be expanded Um, it needs to be doubled the number of permits need to be doubled the number of permit operators need to be increased Um, and it actually needs to be expanded to include ornamentals and flowers but it isn't just seasonal labour that's the problem now we have a problem with permanent roles in our workforce we have the highest highest vacancy rate on record and unemployment is sub five percent and in many of the rural areas where our primary food production and processing happens um, unemployment levels are as low as two or three percent so despite the government challenging the sector to recruit uk nationals to do these jobs and pay them more the truth is those people just aren't there um so we need enabling policies and on, on permanent year-round jobs, we need temporary visas that will allow people to come in for 12 or 24 months um, and help the sector thrive. Uh, energy is one that I think we cannot overlook. And again, it is a global issue, but it's for all the perfect storm reasons that we've discussed, it's mm. worse in the UK. And in my sector, um, a sector that delivers fruit and vegetables through the use of glasshouse um, polytunnels um, and of course we also utilise storage techniques which require energy um, so as an apple grower the cold storage for apples does require electricity um, the, the hike in energy prices is really concerning and whilst um, I do agree food is too cheap um, the prices can only escalate so much for British growing product Because if they escalate too much, we will become uncompetitive. Um, And um, whilst I agree with Martin, the the answer to food resilience in the future isn't simply to import everything. Um, Our retailers will in the short term if that is the cheapest supply. And, um, And therein lies the rub, because that will mean that British producers go out of business. But do you think, Ali, that 
there's too much reliance on traditional forms of energy production and perhaps not enough looking forward to to new forms using agrotech of say solar energy ground source heating yeah, for ground these source, facilities. Air source, you have all these energy options uh, there, are, there are countless uh, energy options we must have an ambition to move out of fossil fuels and into renewables mm. um but it, it, this is a very big um, and very complex piece mm. that is going to require the government to help the industry, the energy industry, transition out of one form of energy and into another. But we can't afford gaps. Um, so whilst the ambition to get out of fossil fuel is really good, if that means that the country's energy it, um, inflates by 100% overnight, which is what it feels like it's doing at the moment, um, and if that energy or fossil fuels become short of supply as a consequence, um, we suddenly aren't feeling much like a first world economy. We're suddenly feeling like a stuttering second or third world economy. It's all about support, really. What, what, what the industry is saying is, come on, give us some support here. And I know you were, the FPC is a huge advocate for this, Nigel. Look, I think we should congratulate ourselves and not just take these things for granted that as a horticultural sector, we have been and are highly productive, highly efficient, and have invested as businesses millions of pounds over many, many years. So the criticism of government that we simply just have to help ourselves is unreasonable. You know, we do need and do want to find solutions for the medium and long-term future, but we do need support in the short term to manage some of the issues we've just touched on. You know, these, are, these aren't issues that were either caused by our industry, they're way beyond our industry, and we need some support from government to offer solutions. I think what we shouldn't ignore, though, and I hope the government doesn't ignore either, is, is that they need to value the entire supply chain, both mm. UK growers, UK mm. packers, UK distributors, and growers from around the world that give us that mix of food that we all enjoy. And ultimately, we do something that nobody else does in this country. We feed the nation. And I believe we deserve support from government for that. And actually, that's probably one of the most critical things that we do within our industry. Yet the government appears to be taking us for granted. And there will be fundamental long-term consequences unless we find solutions sooner rather than later. So, so Nigel, what is it you want the government to do? Be explicit. Uh, that we can't do well, ourselves. I think, I think we're already on record in terms of, from a people point of view, we need to find some effective way of encouraging more people to work in our industry. We've, and we've already said um, that in many of our production areas, they are rural with minimal um, unemployment already. In essence, what we need, we need the government to enact some areas where we can't do as an industry or an individual business. So one of the short-term requests is actually to allow us to source labour. We can't source that locally, even though we're continually criticised by government for not doing so. It doesn't exist for a range of reasons. However, what we can do, I would hope, is, is with government support, encourage labour to work in our industry for the coming months while we find new solutions. This isn't going to happen. These issues aren't going to be resolved overnight. So we do need government policy decisions to be fundamental to help us and the government feed the nation, frankly. Yeah. Simon, what are your thoughts? 
Well, look, I, th- I think the the problem we got here is this is such a big challenge, and uh, and it cuts across many ways. And the, the the great problem in horticulture, particularly, is such a diverse industry. So there isn't a single panacea for this. This is uh, this is this needs really detailed, really well thought through policy, acting over different time levels, and, and acting across that's accessible to a whole range of diverse businesses that's that's a real uh, that is a real uh, genuine challenge so time zones it's really important so we need a short-term strategy which really fills the gap so it enables a transition for businesses to uh, de-link themselves from this this requirement for labor to, to a more automated or uh, future that's 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 a short-term urgent intervention that's that's absolutely uh, required and are then the government medium- listening to this request? Are the government doing anything? I don't know. I mean, Ali can comment on that better than than uh, than, than I can. But uh, we need some urgent uh, interventions pretty soon now because people are planning next year's seasons already, and we're hearing of um, very dramatic cutbacks in uh, mm. in production for 2022 because of confidence level. If you, if you can't, if you haven't got a guarantee of labor you're going to cut back of course you are you know you're risking all your working capital and uh, and uh, it's a major business risk you're going to be cutting back we're hearing that now so the, the, the message is that, that that needs to come through very very fast just to underpin 2022 that's the level of short termism mm. the medium term uh, it needs um, support for businesses to invest in uh, in capital and that that needs to be a diverse range of investments which are eligible and that's going to range from almost very very large scale complete business transformations new plant new greenhouses new capital infrastructure uh, down to just enabling people to buy conveyors and belts and mines and things to to drive productivity so there isn't one solution it needs a solution that acts over many time periods which has to reflect the absolute fantastic diversity of horticulture and that diversity is something that we should um, which is a strength of our industry we need to protect it we've got new blood coming in from universities that we need to say come on have a look at this industry because this is such an exciting industry throwing this back to you nigel you you recognize this and you've worked with simon and martin to really make the universities aware these opportunities exist well from a careers point of view um you know we, we have an event in conjunction with FPC Future in a, in a few weeks on the 4th of November, which is about showcasing the diversity of our industry and the great opportunities in our industry for young, dynamic people mm. to come and work in our industry. So we are putting a lot of effort in. We have a range of universities bringing students so they can see and meet some of the fantastic and diverse businesses within our sector. Because, you know, that is... As Simon's already said, you know, the the lifeblood of our industry is attracting new dynamic people that can develop, manage the new technology, which we must adopt um, and sooner rather than later to ensure our industry is successful in the coming years. So I'm a graduate, just just left university. I've got my degree. I'm going to start my first day. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Of course, it's hypothetically. And I'm going to and I'm going to join the, the industry. What would my first day be, Nigel? Actually, hopefully your first week would be an induction to very many different diverse aspects of that individual business. But I can tell you it would be highly interesting, highly motivated, 
and unbelievably varied that we are a wonderful industry that what, what I find fascinating is is that with all the people I've talked to throughout my career in the industry once the fresh produce industry has hooked you you rarely leave yeah, yeah and uh, you know where do I sign up <laughs> <laughs> you've done a great job Nigel yeah so you know <laughs> the agri-food sector the future of our food depends on this new generation of of scientists, of explorers, of you know people wanting to dip their toe into the into agritech, robotics, AI. It's so diverse. I mean, Ali, do you think we need to make this side of the industry more attractive to younger people? Yeah, I think we do. Um, I think one of the difficulties for the sector is that we're so diverse. We do need to put that time into careers fairs, to careers teachers, um, to university fairs, so that our sector is represented, because actually it very often isn't. Mm. Um, We need to demonstrate to young people that there is a real career path here. Yeah, wonderful. FPC careers is exciting from so many perspectives because it covers all the things that you've just said Ali it's bringing together different areas of the industry to talk and excite graduates about the possibilities they can have in the industry and I think it's quite groundbreaking because nothing like this that I know about has been done before and Martin I know you're involved in this too give us your thoughts we've been talking to a lot of our food firms and what they're saying is that they have a real problem with people like engineers and yet they're paying about £40,000 a year as a starting salary. That is a really good career for somebody. What we're not doing is we're not training enough of those engineers because we need a lot more of those young people and we need to make sure that they recognise that the food chain is a really fantastic place to be. There are so many businesses within it, there's so many opportunities and there's a long-term career there. We have everything from the teams that work with Simon to actually design new types of robots through to those that are physically out within the food supply chain. Without them, the whole supply chain simply doesn't work. And so there's a very diverse range of job roles, even within engineering. So I understand the artificial intelligence and the challenge it presents. And for those engineers to develop the software to make the mechanics to work, to pick the grapes or to pick the apples, to pick the whatever they're picking, that's a challenge. And and for me, actually, it's the visual challenge. How do you overcome that? That's the challenge. How do you how do you set these engineers up to to overcome those challenges? Well, I think that's one of the things that Lincolnshire and the University of Lincoln have been really very good at, in that we've been putting together the research teams that do that type of work and the research engineers with the commercial businesses to solve those problems and to solve them for the long term. But that's actually quite a small group within the engineering sector. The majority of them will be physically out on the ground, building the machines, making them work, maintaining them. That is where we have a real gap because we simply haven't trained enough of those types of engineers for the last 30 or 40 years. And so that's one of the step changes that we need to see. Uh, Really within uh, the skill uh, types of systems, we need the technical training that ensures that we have that supply of the engineers who can be out there on the ground on a day-by-day basis to make sure that all of those systems work. And and do you think it's ready? Do you think we're ready for this? Well, we already have the equipment. Um, What we don't have is is really the engineers actually to maintain it. Um, We also now have a problem with with things like, uh, like some of the new types of automation. We have some of those 
um, types of systems. But a lead time that used to be two to three months is now nine to 12 months. And that's because we don't have the staff to build the machines fast enough for really for the amount of demand that's out there. This really highlights how important it is that the industry embraces innovation, automation, and really pushes the type of careers that are going to change the face of our food production in the future. Well, I think that that is why we've committed to to, to run the event with Lincoln that we've been talking about. We're looking to, to begin, if you like, to um, tackle, I suppose we call it the elephant in the room, about encouraging and ensuring that our industry is attractive to a range of great people for, for tomorrow and beyond. But at the same time, from an industry point of view, frankly, a wake-up call. You know, the, mm. the current crisis is tough. It's tough on many people. It's tough on us as, as individual consumers. But what we're encouraging the industry to do is reflect on, where is my business going in the future? What technologies are being developed now? How I influence those? And actually what technology is just around the corner so I can understand mm. and plan and develop my business so it is fit for the future. Because I think one of the clear messages that we're all agreeing is we want great, young, dynamic people working in our sector, but we also have to work smarter. Um, you know, how many of our businesses are actually tech savvy these days? Mm. Maybe not that many. I would hope there are. But it's the next level of technology, which is way beyond perhaps what many of us have considered that will be part of our day-to-day businesses, part of our lives like our iPhones and mm. many other things are. Mm. So we need to be ever more efficient and at the same time reduce our dependency on the hard labour demand, but mm. actually attract other great people to manage this equipment and do many more things to make our industry and our food industry, our flower and our plant industry, vibrant and successful for the future. With that in mind, do you think it's going to be the technology that's going to uh, help us with that shortage? Yes, definitely. If we did achieve, if the robots could come in and do all of that picking, we would reduce the labour numbers, but not completely, because we would then need, as we've mentioned, um, engineers um, and technicians to help run that kit. And, of course, we would also need the logistics piece in and around it, which, of course, you need people for. So we wouldn't reduce the people altogether, and we would need a different set of skills, Mm. but it could I mean, robots for hand-picking of fruit would make a significant difference. Yeah, the technology itself has brought about a whole new industry where people need to learn it, new skills. New yeah. jobs, new yeah, jobs new opening jobs. up. So, you know, one thing one thing leads to another, exactly, as it were. Yeah. But, you know, soft robotics now is a really exciting side of things because it's all about testing, feeling, and gently picking the soft fruit that robots just a couple of years ago couldn't touch without ruining and now they're able to sort of censor them find out yes they're ripe pick them gently preserve them and pack them up Um, but of course we need the new generation with this digital mindset to continue to build this technology and I think what's exciting is that today's graduates they're born into a world of technology everything has has a technology solution and and an innovation to sort of work towards to change things so a lot of it is down to education and actually showcasing what the industry can offer these wonderful young people with these great ideas if the government would commit with a strategic plan for the sector 
and believe in the fact that the UK can and should produce some of the best food in the world and that it can do that in a low carbon way and in an efficient way, then I think we'd be going somewhere. What we need is we need that commitment from government to work with us. And it's no good just having a commitment for a year or two. This is a five, 10 year and more type of transition process. So I'm going to throw this back to Nigel now because you've you've spearheaded, well, the FPC have spearheaded these two unique events to tackle some of these issues. And really, uh, just tell us, how can people get involved in these? Look, very, very simple. You know, we, we, we have a view of encouraging, you know, new people to our industry. That's why we've put the careers event together. And at the same time, we've complemented that with what we've called FPC Future. So that is going to be a fantastic opportunity for many of these forward thinking, you know, um, IT, robotics and many other businesses to showcase their offer. But it is important that all aspects of our industry from growers, packers, distributed, hopefully sign up for the event on the day. It's free to attend. Just actually come along, see what's available. Mm. You may all be sitting there thinking, now it's not for me, it won't happen for years yet. Well, just come and take the opportunity to see mm. what is available today, and it may just influence your medium and long-term strategy. It is important as an industry that we are proactive. We are, we're not just proactive on behalf of our businesses. It is recognised by the government that we are looking to find our solutions ourselves, yet mm. we do need some support to help us achieve that. At the same time, though, I think we've all agreed is that Whichever technology we're talking about and whichever aspect of the industry you want that technology applied to, some will be available sooner rather than later. So we do have to reinforce and continue to talk with government about why it's important we receive support in whatever format to help us in this transitional period. A big thank you to all of our guests here today. To find out more about registering for free for FPC Future or FPC Careers, go to fpcfuture.co.uk or fpccareers.co.uk.